0: Hi, everyone. This is Dave Newbert, Marketing Director for Eagle Eye Power Solutions. And welcome to our podcast, DC Power Hour, the show where we will discuss everything related to, you guessed it, critical DC power solutions. So charge up, power on, or do whatever it takes to get yourself excited for the episode of DC Power Hour. So welcome back to another episode of DC Power Hour. Uh, Happy to be back in action after a little break in the new year. And we have now brought the podcast studio in-house. So we're really excited about that now in our Eagle Eye Power Solutions headquarters. And uh, while we're kind of waiting for our, our friend and colleague and Battery Blarney duo counterpart, Alan Byrne to uh, get on the mend here and and come back uh, to the program here in a couple of weeks, we got George Peterson in-house today. So we're, we're lucky to have George here. Live and in person, and uh, we thought we'd ask him some really educational questions that that uh, George can really enlighten us with about really just the basics of of standby power and how it all works. And um, so, George, glad to have you here in the the studio. It's a work in progress, but um, we're excited to to get things going and, and be able to do these podcasts more frequently and have conversations just like this uh, with. People just like you so glad you're here
1: Uh, thanks David so what are the questions you want to answer me
0: okay so you
1: want me to answer shall I say
0: we we get the everyone gets the question you know when you when you talk to somebody at a at a dinner party or at a family gathering and they say what do you do and you know we tell them we we work at a, a critical power solutions provider that that provides stationary Battery backup power uh, in in case of a mission critical application going um, needing that backup power and how it actually all works and comes together. Even even being in marketing here for a few years, I can't exactly answer that. So I know you've been doing this for quite a while, and you're an engineer by trade. And I thought, who better to ask that question to than than you? So when I guess when there's an outage and Standby power is is called into action. How does that all work? How long did you say this podcast to last? We've got uh how long are you in town?
1: <clears throat> okay, um well the, the really the, the first question the uh, first part of the answer is going to be um is this a DC load or an AC load? Now, to explain that a little bit further if we're looking at uh, standby power for something like telecommunications or the utilities, most of their equipment works on DC direct. Uh, It doesn't, you have chargers that keep the batteries charged. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you have, basically, they're supplied directly from the battery. If we're talking about AC power, which is typical for the uh, data centers and places like that, uh, we have to have a piece of equipment called a UPS that actually takes the AC in, converts it to DC, charges a battery, and then converts it back to AC again to be fed out. So uh, all the equipment that's working on an AC UPS is fed directly from the UPS, not from the utility at all. So it's, uh, it's isolated and it's a much cleaner AC source. So that that's the basic, on the, on the DC side, uh, you simply have a charger which is a device that takes AC in, converts it to DC, charges the battery up and powers the load at the same time. The, the battery is effectively in parallel with the, uh, the supply coming from the charger. And uh, so if the AC fails and there's no DC coming from the charger, at that point, it just flows from the battery. It, there's, the, the other big advantage of the uh, DC side of the supply is there's absolutely no form of mechanical transfer required. It simply is a it's sitting there in parallel with it. So you just, power fails, you have DC. That's it in as simple a, a simpler form as possible. When you start talking about getting more complicated on the AC side, there are, excuse me, because of the uh, the desire for greater efficiency, uh, there are all sorts of ways that people or the UPSs are designed to actually power from the utility, and then change over the moment there's a failure, because that's uh, that's more efficient. So when you see claims by the UPS manufacturers of these very very high efficiencies, that's typically what they're doing. So you can be, depending on the quality of the UPS, obviously, but you can be under those circumstances actually exposed to the transients and noise on the utility under normal operation. Uh, but the, the best way is definitely is to uh, is AC to DC, charge the battery, DC back to AC again. That's perfect, good quality AC for it. Does that help?
0: Yeah, yeah, that helps, but it, it makes me yeah. want to ask more questions. Okay, well so, carry on. Uh, so, so in a substation, for example, do are there UPS? Is there a UPS system and a standby system?
1: No. In, in, in a, in a sub, well, I say no. I've got to be careful here because there may be a, in some places there could be for some reason. But the traditional or are the, the typical engineering way for a substation is there will be simply a 120 volt battery system there. So we're talking about 120 volts that is running all the equipment that runs the substation. There'll be also be a 48 volt battery system in there that runs the communications into the substation. And the, the one of the problems that we, well, not a problem, but it's in some cases, uh, you you have devices called DC to DC converters. So in in some locations, what they do is because there isn't room for a second communications battery, they actually convert the 120 volts DC to 48 volts DC. Uh, so they use the station battery for both running the uh, equipment and for communications, which on occasion does give you problems if the DC to DC is not correctly isolated because we actually ground the positive of the communications battery, uh, which goes back all the way back to the start of telecommunications. And it was done in part to mean that we didn't have to do or improve the corrosion underground. Don't ask me why. Never, nobody's ever explained it to me, but that's what I've been told.
0: So when you say the communications system in the substation, is that for telecommunications or communications to other power plants and things? It's, it's basically
1: the the, the whole, the, the, today, what used to be telecommunications is now simply communications because it's both data and it's very less, voice, there's no voice involved within the substation. It's all data. So it's, um, they're using data equipment to communicate back and forward. It's the key part of the smart grid. You know, that's the ability for them to do a lot of this work remotely, manage things better.
0: So it's wireless communications now via Wi-Fi.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, no wireless. It's landline because wireless has a problem for cybersecurity. Now, there are, there are some utilities looking at using wireless for it or part of it, but the actual core or the, the high reliability part of the cybersecurity side or not just to the power system but to everything will be covered by a wired network you know, or at least a fiber network
0: possibly. A landline. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay. So then um, with the stationary batteries powering the equipment in the substation um are they powering all of the equipment there's it's not is it is it powered um in the event of an emergency or is it powered in general it's
1: the, the the are actually powering the equipment as well so the they, 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 they charger powers all the equipment under normal operation and the battery only takes over in the event that the utility, they, there is no AC supply to it.
0: Okay, got it. What happens when the power flickers at, at your house, you're at home and, and it doesn't go out for any significant amount of time but it just sort of flickers on and off and you've got to reset the clocks and that sort of thing?
1: Well, it... Because uh, there's there's effectively two sets of, of, of flickers we're going to talk about here. One is when just when the lights blink on you, and that could well be the utility is actually switching between feeds or something like that, or, or changing parts of the, controlling parts of the distribution network. If you get a long, slightly longer one where, you know, the lights go out and then they come back on again, and perhaps they go out again, and then they come back on again. And if they go out again, that's when at least I know and where I live, that I'm going to have a power cut. And the reason for that is there are there are devices out in the in the electrical network that are designed to uh, basically open up in the event of any excess power, like a short circuit or something. Tree branches are a perfect example. A tree branch blows and it hits the power line and then it, it comes away again this device will trip or it will at least open the circuit so you'll lose power and then it'll come back it'll put it back on again and it's monitoring it as long as it's not no overload now okay you're good if there's still an overload it'll try again and come back if there's still one one the third attempt that's it it's finished it's basically Somebody's going to have to go and do something. So uh, that's the difference between the two. The flicker is simply the the changing something. Something's been switched someplace in the network that has just broken it for fractions of a second. Uh, But the uh, the other ones, no. It's you know so now you all understand that if you get it, if it goes for a third time, you're out.
0: All right, thank you. Uh, so, another question we had here was: then there are scheduled outages in in certain places in certain parts of the country. Uh, can you speak to that? To why why oh, that happens?
1: That 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 in fact are scheduled outings to the consumer or. Uh, it, if there is a schedule outing, in other words, if the, if the utility says you're going to be without power for a certain period of time, it typically will mean they are working on the part of the network between you and the substation that's feeding you. And they have to take you off in order to do that work. If they're doing the work in between, where all within the interconnected network, they transfer power between locations, when they had that, uh, for instance, was it North Carolina that we had the, somebody shot up one of the substations down there? Then what they were doing, they were, they, started, they were just trying to get everything that had gone through that substation rerouted within the network. You've got to think about the network almost as, as the roads. There's lots of interconnect... The substations are affected, in many cases, interconnection points between it, and then they switch between them to find another path into it. But then, is there enough capability? Depending on the loading on that existing path, is it capable of handling extra power in order to do that? It's an extremely complex job in operations. And it's, um, you know, operations of any kind. is always difficult to do if you don't understand everything that's going on.
0: With that said, speaking of the... The network. Uh, when I was doing some research for a, a podcast, I think we did last year, sort of recapping the um, the catastrophe that happened in Texas. I guess two Februarys ago now, and just trying to understand how that all happened. Um, and basically, uh, from what I understood, is there were they were trying to control the loads at certain substations throughout the state and things like that and reroute power, take down power in certain areas to sort of preserve it um, so that, that maybe it could last longer um, without with maybe if, if power plants were operable or, or more power was needed, more demand was needed. In, in looking at the whole network kind of that way, I know there's turbines, there's generators, there's standby power. In that type of a situation, are you able to kind of explain how the power is shifted and rerouted around? That's a little bit more of a challenge. But
1: let's see, we're just trying to do it in a a generality. Texas was a real extreme condition on that occasion, uh, simply because it was trying to operate under weather conditions that it was not designed to operate under. For instance, they a lot they lost a lot of their what we would typically call peaker plants or gas turbine plants that are designed to be there to ramp up fast and produce power very quickly to to balance out, and uh, they hadn't insulated the gas lines and the gas actually just didn't blow. You know, if you ever tried to use an external propane tank in the middle of winter, you know. It doesn't work very well, and that was exactly the same thing that happened with them. There wasn't the gas there to run the generator, so they weren't able. Their wind generators, wind generators apparently weren't totally winterized. They had problems. It was just simply was the whole thing was not geared to do it, and and that's the challenge. That's what was. You see, every time there is a major emergency, it's. How well can they handle it? But we've also just, to add to the point here, because of COVID, because of lots of other things, we have lost a lot of that expertise. They took early retirement, or they, you know, well, sadly, they, they succumbed to COVID. Um, so, we, you know, we're losing a lot of the expertise that you can't, it's very difficult to teach, you can only gain by experience. You know, that's one of the things I always say to some of our students when we when we have them here is that I can teach you so much. One of the reasons I, I tell you stories about things that have happened to me is to try and explain that part of it. I can't teach you how to do it, but you've got to become instinctive of how to cure the problem when it happens. And it's, it's a challenge. But that's that really is what the problem is how to handle it under all the different circumstances if everything isn't working correctly.
0: Well, and I think one thing you've always reiterated when we talk about training is that it's not as important to just know what to do. It's to understand why you do it. You have to do it the way you do it, because unless you understand how something is operating and why it's operating that way, in in the case of something like that when you're in the field and and something goes wrong, you better know more than just connect this wire to this wire because it's a lot more complicated.
1: Yeah, because all the instruction you ever receive on a new piece of equipment is how to use it when it's working. Right. If you don't understand what to do when it stops working, you're going to have a failure on your hands. Not to say that you can fix it when it stops working, at least maybe you can understand what else to do to try and minimize the impact of it. But this, you know, that, that in a sense, that's what the standby power is for really is to keep everything going under other circumstances. Yeah. If you think about it, that's that's the whole core idea of the standby power is that it's there to keep power going no matter what happens to the input
0: power. All right, well, then we'll wrap it up. I've got two sort of lighter hearted questions here. Um talking about the whole network of the electrical system. Um and I know Alan would love to answer this one. So maybe on, on behalf of him, what if we could ever do what Tesla set out to do and have wireless electricity? Is that ever do you think we could ever see that in our lifetime?
1: We have it now.
0: Okay. Ooh. Wi-Fi?
1: No. But you have, if you have a charging mat and you lay your phone on the top of it and it charges, it's, true. it's not actually wireless. It's, well, it is wireless, yeah. but it's inductive. That's what it is. You, you're, what you're basically doing is the same as we've had ever since Faraday designed the first transformer. It's basically power being transmitted
0: through a material. So you think we could have widespread?
1: No, I didn't say that. I just said okay. we have it at
0: the present okay. moment. Okay, That would let solve me tell, a lot let of problems. You. It, it,
1: it, well, you could have it more widespread. Just, just to give you an idea, um, at Disney is it uh, Disneyland out at, um, in California. All their trolleys are electric, and they actually have ch- underground charging bats at every stop. So as the trolley parks and it offloads and onloads, it's charging the batteries again through the charging mats under the current. And the only reason I know about that is because I actually put a battery monitoring system on one of them too, because they were trying to work out whether or not we could track the the, the state of charge for them. The only trouble was I didn't realise just how much water and other stuff happens. They hadn't so let's say they hadn't uh, weatherized the under part of the, the bus enough to put one on it. <laughs> we had a few smoking, but that was... but it was an interesting challenge. It was an interesting yeah. project. So, yeah, we, in that sense, you could. And that's where you get some of these ideas about running, charging under interstates. You know, some, I know that somebody has suggested that maybe you could run a, a charging lane where you, you pull over into it and you... You know, you drive for five or six miles or something, and you're charging your car, and you build at the end of it. Now, it's, it sounds crazy, sounds, the present moment. Yeah, but it is it possible. As crazy as it seems, I don't know.
0: Yeah. All right. So, last question, because you are the expert. No, um, oh, no. I want to know officially: is electricity the greatest invention of all time? At
1: this point, in world evolution yes because we have got to the point now where we can do nothing almost without electricity it's it's quite frightening you know old gray-haired one here and alan as well we've seen it all the way through you know but electricity now is there's nothing nothing that we do that doesn't need electricity
0: yeah, from that for sure.
1: Phone in our hand
0: all the way through. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Much less internet. We can't do anything without the internet. Well, but even, it, that, even but that's again even and, less with. And the internet has.
1: Yeah. The internet's backed up by standby power. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, good thing we uh, offer standby power solutions to keep the power going.
1: Absolutely. All
0: right. On that note, thank you, George. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show as always and look forward to the Battery Blarney Duo coming back here in full force here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm
1: looking forward to having them back in working order.
0: We hope you can join us next time. And in the meantime, if you have any questions for the Battery Blarney Duo or anything else you want us to discuss in next week's episode, please email us at info at eepowersolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you then.